With fewer clear milestones, isolating independence, and the feeling of high expectations, graduate school is difficult. Recently, a study was published in Nature Biotechnology, which found that graduate students are more than six times as likely to experience depression and anxiety as compared to the general population. In this season, we're addressing mental health in graduate school. We interview both students and faculty here at WashU to share their stories and advice regarding mental wellness. We hope you find the conversations presented here to be helpful in your own life for acknowledging, addressing, and maintaining mental health during your time in graduate school and beyond. My name is Megan, and in this episode, I interview Dr. Gladys Smith, who is the sexual violence prevention therapist and licensed psychologist at Washington University, and is part of the on-site counseling center located on the first floor of the East Building on the medical campus. Today, we're here with Dr. Gladys Smith, and we're doing our interview about mental health and wellness. So if you would just like to introduce yourself and um, tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Dr. Clyda Smith and I've been here about a year. I am a trauma therapist and a sexual violence prevention um, educator here on the medical campus. So my background is uh, prior to this, I worked at another at a local university. I was there for at like Webster. At Webster, yes. at Webster, <laughs> I was like, oh, can I say it? Um, so I was at Webster for like 16 years. And so in that time, um, I worked in student health doing basically the same thing, trauma therapy Mm -hmm. and sexual violence prevention and education. So while I was doing that, I was also in the military. So I I just retired with 27 years in the military. I was a medic, a hospital corpsman, and that's what kind of drew me to this job because, um, so I worked in hospitals for 27 years, basically as, as a corpsman. I did. I worked in the ER, I did uh, time on the ambulance, I was an EMT, I worked in uh, OBGYN, I worked in clinics, so I've delivered a baby, woo! Um, <laughs> and uh, I have, um, I mean, I can suture, I can, we passed general meds, you know, for the military we always use ibuprofen, right. you know, yeah. <laughs> Motrin for everything, <laughs> you know, amputation, Motrin, I ate Motrin, you know, we use Motrin for everything. And I worked in a general sick call. So medicine and being in hospitals was sort of my thing. Yes. And I saw this position yeah. and I thought, oh, my God, a chance to work with my folks, my medical people. Yeah. And I kind of missed it because I had just retired, you know, right before I got this job. So I, I missed being in a hospital setting. And it's so far, it's really, <laughs> it's like home, you know, working with people that, you know, they're talking about stuff yeah. that you get. I'm sure you can really relate. Oh, gosh, yeah. I really do. And it's just, I, I love it so yeah. far. I really, really do. And so I teach yoga as well. So I, I'm a somatic uh, therapist and, and trauma counselor. So I kind of okay. combine all of that together. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> it is, it is, but I love it. Yeah. Um, so can you give us what you your definition of mental health is and what good mental health means to you? Okay, a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, just coming from the health field, so it is, you know, mind-body, you know, your belief about how you're feeling, and that affects, you know... It, all of the forces to within so the one thing that I do um, my definition is wellness equals balance that you have an equal amount of balance not that that. all of the areas are filled (laughs) but I use this thing uh, I use two things I use the wellness model and I use the self-care wheel and it has six components physical psychological emotional spiritual personal and professional and so so, these are something you can search oh most definitely you can um, you can look online under um, self-care wheel mm-hmm. it really is a wonderful um, assess pe- assessment piece for you personally and you can use it with your therapist and there's even one that you can use with your family 
oh. if you have a family and you're mm-hmm. working like there has to be time that we take care of ourselves right and so wellness the other aspect of it that I believe in is that you know it's not just doing things but it's your being how mm-hmm. am I being for myself how am I doing for myself with all the stuff that we do like especially holidays it's a very stressful time for people and it does not have to be because we lose our center we lose the focus doing things mm-hmm. you know and is that why it's a wheel yes because the circle yes. is never ending yeah. it there's no beginning <laughs> and there's no end yes. um so yeah that's the the, the self-care wheel um allows you to really look at yourself from the perspective of what am i doing to take care of myself and it's okay to take self-care time so that's kind of my definition okay i know there are a lot of factors that affect mental health, but um, what do you think specifically affects graduate and professional students here? I'm sure you see a lot of people and there might be patterns that come up, for instance. Number one is, am I stressed? So the factors that go along with that is, what's my diet like? What, you know, what am I eating? How much sleep am I getting? And in whatever type of college student, whether it's a medical student, occupational therapy, physical therapy, audiology, Sleep is truly important, and I know you have to be creative as a student. Um, You have to be creative in your sleep, but are you getting enough? You know, it's okay. Like, some people will tell you it's not okay to take naps, but sometimes naps work the best for some people. Mm -hmm. You know, they can't sleep an eight-hour shift. They may do two hours here, two hours here, and two hours there. Learn that from the military is that you have to find out what your medium is. Yeah, that makes sense. What works for you best. Are you exercising? Mm -hmm. You know, you have to have some form of exercise in there. You know, and then are you socializing? So those three, just those three, and Mm -hmm. I'll just, there's several others, (laughs) but those three are truly important. Are you connecting with others? Because by nature, we connect with people, regardless of the time that we need by ourselves. But am I isolating? That's the question that you ask. And then am I eating like I should? And then am I getting a little bit of exercise? Those are the those are the things that are saviors, really. That and I mean, they are important for everyone. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> so if you answered no to all of them, you can call the office, and we'll try to get you on a self care plan so that you start to recognize some different things that maybe I could tweak or change. And that's another thing people think. Oh, I can't go to counseling because you know they're going to tell all this stuff, and then I'm gonna, it's going to take up so much time, and I have to study, and I'm a student. It only takes as much time as it takes. The yes. sessions are 45 to 50 minutes. The true work happens outside because we talk about things that you could do on the outside of the session mm-hmm. that make your life easier. So it's not a lot of work. It really mm-hmm. isn't. Every other week, you know, or typically that we see people. And for some people, we see people every week to get them started if they truly have clinical depression or generalized anxiety disorder or something of that nature. Um, we, we try to meet with them weekly for a period of time, then decrease it to bi-weekly, and then once a month. And whenever they need it, yeah. Yes, yes, that's what mm-hmm. people don't realize. Okay. I think you kind of touched on kind of signs of not being in a good mental state, mm-hmm. uh, so we can skip over that, um, but how do you think traumatic events affect mental health? And oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. So, and all those, that, like, yeah. A, yeah. B, and C, too? Uh, yeah, so I know your background, is, as you mentioned, is in uh, sexual and relationship violence, but mm-hmm. of course there are other 
traumatic events that happen oh my all gosh, the time. Yeah. So, yeah. So I am also I get to do a comer a commercial not only for the self care wheel, um, and the principles of wellness, but also for Alive and Well. So I'm an ambassador for Alive and Well. And I'm also on the board, and we have members throughout the um, the medical campus here that are members and ambassadors to Alive and Well. So. Trauma is one of those things that affects us all. You know, they say that, you know, 50% 50 to 75% of the population have experienced at least one. And of those individuals, they 25% of those have experienced more. In regarding to sexual trauma, one in three women, one in six men, Mm -hmm. you know, in their lifespan will have some incident of trauma. But like you said, there are other traumas, car accidents. The loss, a sudden loss of an individual in your life, right. you know, uh, a great disappointment. I'm an EMDR therapist, and one of the things that, that we look at is small T's, things that affect our life, but not to a grave what point. What is EMDR? Uh, eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing, and it's a therapy wow. for those who have experienced trauma. Okay. Trauma could be divorce, trauma could, trauma could be uh, the breakup of a relationship. And you've had a series of breaks up of relationship. Mm-hmm. And it can be very traumatizing. Verbal abuse, physical abuse, being in a flood, like mm-hmm. being in a fire, losing, like all the things that have gone on. Right. You know, there's private events, which could be sexual assault and, and those type of things. But then there's public events that occur for the entire society. So trauma is this overwhelming thing. And people think, oh, you know, that's the hot topic now. It's the hot thing. We've always had trauma, but we've been able to talk about it a little bit more. Trauma affects you biologically. It affects you physically. And it affects you multi-generationally. I mean, so it's not something that, oh, it's just something that happened to that person. It's just something that happened, you know. No, over time it wears on every aspect of your being. That's why oh, this yeah. self-care wheel, right. the sure physical aspect. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, relationship problems. But it also leads to all of the research, uh, the ACEs study, Vince Felitti's study on the ACEs, the Adverse Childhood Experience Study, which is paramount for trauma, is that individuals that had experienced trauma as children and now as adults it affects their physical condition things mm-hmm. but it also affects behaviors you know behaviors like sexual uh, promiscuity tobacco use drug mm-hmm. use so, so they're really to self-medicate yeah. mm-hmm. self-medicate with things and then in turn that affects diabetes rates chronic obesity rates so it's all connected right your uh, your physical state is definitely affected by your mental state so mental health you know, it's that area that we try to erase or not think about, but it's a big part of our life. Yeah. I think you asked about uh, sexual violence. Yes. And it's kind of included in that yeah. as well. Yeah. So the philosophy or the thought in that whole thing is that if you try to suppress something and hold it down and press it down and press it down, somehow it comes out in yeah, another it's not way. Going away. It's not going to go away. And like with the whole Me Too movement and things right. coming out and people asking, well, why did they wait for so long to come out and do that? They may have not been ready to right. or even able to conceptualize it. You know, we have um, the explicit memories and the implicit memories. Right. Explicit are detailed things that, you know, procedural things. That's the type of memory. Mm-hmm. And then the implicit is those things that are more creative and things that are, you know, less tangible. Mm-hmm. When a trauma happens, boy, does that get confused. It really does. You're not sure about certain dates. You're not sure about certain things. And then there's certain sensations that go along with it. So, you know, trauma affects the whole person just as this whole self-care wheel and the principles of wellness. And when an individual 
does not have a lot of resilience, which individuals sometimes are not born with a lot of resilience, and that's the being able to bounce back. Not all of us can bounce back right away. You know, we just aren't born that way. And um, so what the sexual uh, violence education and all of that teaches people about what their resilience factors are so that they can grow in mm-hmm. that and help them to understand that why their memory might not be as clear on a mm-hmm. on an incident that occurred or how their memory may be affected by something something like domestic violence or emotional abuse why they react a certain way to certain situations and so that's kind of what something we do in trauma they're probably not aware of not like even yet. aware of it not at right. all you are so right yeah so it was affected by sexual and relationship violence, and I know you kind of mentioned the um, male and female statistics, mm-hmm. but I know a lot of people think that it wouldn't happen to them because they're strong enough already, but it can happen to any, anyone, right? You are so right. And uh, along with that, a lot of people think that, well, if I you know, build up my muscles enough, or if I take a self-defense class, or if I you know, carry a gun, or if I carry a knife, you know, in the years, like I've been doing this for like at least 27 years, um, in some shame, shape, form, or fashion, and it didn't matter if that person knew a self-defense. Now, self-defense is a part of defending yourself. It's not going to solve crime. It's not going to stop, you know, anything from right. happening, but will sometimes it will because you're able to get away or get to a safer place, but the thing is, those are things that that are outside of that are inside of our control we are not in control of other individuals mm-hmm. until you know our society is educated a little bit on what the true nature of sexual assault is and sexual violence is and not even just that but violence in general we mm-hmm. have a problem with guns yes. you know we have a problems with crime and sexual violence is just one of those things yeah i think something that's important to note too is how do you um, connect with someone who might have gone through like something traumatic like this like should you get them to talk about it um, even with you or with somebody else that's a great question because uh, the one thing that we you know as clinicians we don't want people to go in picking picking and prying yeah. and picking you know yeah. come on talk about it come on encouraging them to talk about it the main thing that is most helpful for individuals is encourage them to get to a resource so that um, th- so the main Uh, aspects of trauma treatment for anyone or even just trauma resolution first is to stabilize the symptoms to help them understand and teaching them grounding techniques and a friend can be a ear but sometimes it's best for them just to be a big old ear to listen and to be there and then just allow get that person to a professional of of whatever the YWCA sexual assault response team is is perfect outside Mm -hmm. resource um, on the main campus. Okay. They have a sexual violence. Uh, and I say main campus. I'm just so used to doing that from yes. um, the military <laughs> and from other places that I did. But on the Danford campus, yes. they have a sexual violence center, the RSVP center. And then here, my office is available for that. Get them to the resources. now. And sometimes people are like, well, I don't want to go on campus. Well, that's fine mm-hmm. because we have connections with all of the services like Safe Connections, a Women's Center, you okay. know, all of those places. We can assist you in getting to those places as well because sometimes, you know, it may be daunting to be on campus and that person may, may not just want to receive services. Right. So when they, when they use us as a referral resource, that's what we're for. 
which okay. are connected so to the So even if they don't want to talk here, you can help them find some Most help. definitely, and that's one of the things that we try. And that's, you know, one, one in 10 in some instances and one in 20 in some instances are the statistics that people report. It really just depends on the situation right. and all of that. But lot, not a lot of people are reporting, even with all the information that, that's going out now with the right. Me Too. It's giving more people courage to come out, but there's still a lot of people that just will not and won't come forward. Now, they may talk to the therapist because we have confidentiality with that information. We're the holder of that mm-hmm. information. They're allowing us to know that. Uh, whereas, and on campuses, there are mandated reporters and non-mandated right. reporters. So if a friend tells you, you know, nine times out of ten, if you're in a position of, of being on this campus, you have to report it. Right. And it's not even a have to report it, it's that you should report it. And it's not a violation of trust with that individual, but it's making sure that A, that person is not further harmed, and then B, that other people aren't harmed as well. Yeah, that everyone's kept safe. Most definitely. And I think that I answered that, hopefully. Yes. Do you know of any other resources that graduate and professional students should look for um, on campus just for mental health? And do you think that we're generally aware of everything that we have here? Well, no, I don't. (laughs) I I don't because um, what I found is that a lot of people focus so much on their studies and so much on doing well, and so much on, and I, I hate to say it, but it's true, is pleasing the professors or pleasing their PI that they forget that they matter too, yeah, and that they, they are so important. Yes, yeah. and so that's the first thing is really listening to their inner voice and making sure that they take care of themselves. The second thing is that the counseling center here on the, on the medical campus, you know, we have three therapists that are here full time. You know, there's used, typically it's not a wait list. If you, you know, on the phone line, it's one, two, or three. Or what I really recommend is that they go to the website. Our bios are there. They can look at what we offer and they can make a selection from that. I think Dr. Thomas is uh, selection one. Dr. Uh, Westman is two, and myself, Dr. Smith, is three on the selections. Mm -hmm. And each of us, you know, enter uh, therapy from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that not one therapy, one thing works for everyone. That's not true. There's a combination of therapies that are needed. Then we have a list uh, called the Blue Sheet. And on the Blue Sheet, we have at least six other therapists that are available. Because, like, if you're working shift work, Mm -hmm. you're unable to get in here because we're here from 8 a.m. until 4. And sometimes we'll stay until 5. I have a group that meets, and we're here until 5 or 5.30. We have an array of therapists on this campus. There are off-campus uh, resources. We would recommend that you meet with us first so that we can at least direct you to, yeah, direct you to a therapist yeah. that might be the best fit for you. That if you would like to go off campus, we use St. Louis Behavioral Medicine and they're very good. They have an array of therapists there as well. And like I said, we can refer to the Sexual Assault Center at the YWCA if an individual would like. Uh, and then there's Safe Connections. So there's a variety of services mm-hmm. that individuals can, can utilize. But they just have to contact us yeah. or online all of this information is listed online under okay. student health um, counseling so what are ways you think WashU and just society in general can better educate and support mental health 
one of the major things is like like what you're doing now is making sure that it's accessible in many different ways in print in writing uh, audio you know mm -hmm. all of those things making sure that things are accessible in a variety of ways and not just depending upon one way the old right. way we did it that way and not just depending upon a card or anything but making it accessible and then I think one of the major things and that is happening now I've been here a year now working on too, yay, um, is making sure that there are collaborations across disciplines, collaborations right. across fields, and um, so I see that a lot with like the diversity group, with um, the OT, the PT, and so there's a lot of cross work that's going on, mm -hmm. but we need to do more. You know, mm -hmm. we need to do a lot more and continue to do it. And in that way, you know, we're overlapping in services. Sometimes I think there's a fear that, well, overlap services? No, but if we are making sure that everything is covered, that would make it a lot easier for right. students um, to receive services. Oh, I know that person. I met her. She's in that meeting. And so this is a resource can that I you can use. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think yeah. that's one thing that our society can do as well mm -hmm. is making sure. There's one yes. thing that I do want to shout out is that I have a trauma group that meets on Tuesdays usually from 4 to 5.30 and it's any trauma that an individual has experienced, they can come to this group and it's an and it's um, located here. and it's located here okay. in 4525, the East Building as you yes. know it is. <laughs> and then, so we usually meet actually on the third floor of the library and I think it's 301 and then, so they would call me 314-273-2111 and just do a brief three uh, question assessment interview to determine if they're appropriate for group and it's kind of semi open you know we want it to be an open group for individuals but it's mm -hmm. kind of closed because we want people to do an assessment first and so mm -hmm. you get a, a workbook we work through some trauma we do narrative therapy in the group we do a little bit of art therapy and we do some movement and then we just have the, the self-help aspect of it, of being with other individuals that have been through a trauma. I wanted to sh make a shout-out for on Thursdays, I do trauma-focused yoga, which is for anything. You know, mm -hmm. it could be stress of the day, and that is at noon. And that is in the Eric P. Newman 3, I think it's 301. Okay. Uh, and that's free. All of those yeah. things are free. We have a stress management group on Mondays at 12 to 1 in the library. Mm -hmm. um, and... Sometimes we have two people, sometimes we have six people. It just depends. Right. Just look online, and we put out a feed every now and then to remind people. So right now, we're kind of late in the season, and people might not be able to swing it into their schedule. But please be looking forward or be looking out for the Trauma Focus Yoga, the Trauma Group. And then we have a women's group actually on Friday from 12 to 1, and that's in the library as well. And so we have a few people that come that can schedule it. You can bring your lunch. Right, we offer a lot of individual therapy and then group therapy. Is there anything else? Uh, no, thank you for doing this. Yes, thank you for yeah. talking with me. Thank yeah, you. I really appreciate it. No problem. <laughs> If you feel that after listening to this episode that you're in need of help, please contact the Mental Health Services on the Danforth campus or Student Health Services on the Medical campus. If you would like to schedule an appointment with Dr. Gladys Smith directly, please call at 314-362-2404 or email at smithgladysa at wustol.edu. Contact information as well as more resources will be linked in the show notes. Thank you for listening.